Hey there, welcome to The Tent. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. There is remarkable beauty in the ephemeral. Botanicals are most definitely ephemeral in nature, having finite lifespans when they're submerged. They soften, they recruit fungal growths and biofilms on their surfaces, and slowly begin their inexorable march towards decomposition and physical breakdown. We value this. Indeed, we celebrate this. To understand and appreciate this is key to grasping the philosophy behind the botanical style aquarium. Now, those of us who play with botanical style blackwater, brackish aquariums, and so forth, find out in the earliest stages that each aquarium moves at its own pace. Each one establishes itself, evolves, and matures differently than any other one. There's a real pace, a process to what occurs when they're utilized in our aquariums. And a good part of it's dictated by the natural degradation, change, and the decomposition of the materials that we utilize in our tanks. From the minute you prepare a leaf, a seed pod, a stem, or other botanical for use in the aquarium, it begins to soften and break down. It's definitely the embodiment of ephemeral. The process of hot water steeping, boiling, or prolonged soaking start to soften the tissues of leaves and seed pods release bound up surface pollutants and begin that gradual, inevitable, and irreversible process of breaking them down at a pace which nature determines. Nature, not us, not rules, not guidelines, not aquarists, nature. And as botanical materials break down, more and more compounds, you know, tannins, humic substances, lignin, bound up organic matter, etc., begin leaching into the water column in your aquarium, influencing the water chemistry and the overall environment. They power the biome of the aquarium, providing sustenance to numerous organisms which reside there. We know this. Now, in the wild, there are numerous aquatic habitats which are ephemeral in nature, while we're talking about ephemeral, lasting only if, you know, a season or two before drying up, only to begin the cycle anew the next year. An example would be the vernal pool. Uh, vernal pools is a surprisingly rich and very interesting habitat. Now, vernal pools are classified by ecologists as a type of wetland, although they are, as their name implies, temporary aquatic habitats. Now, certain fishes, such as annual killifish, have evolved to adapt and thrive in these environments over the eons. This, of course, makes them really unique you know, aquatic ecosystems, all the more fascinating to us as tropical fish hobbyists. Understanding this type of habitat has lots of implications for creating very cool biotope-inspired aquariums. And why not make them for killifish? And maybe, just maybe, they might help make killifish and the killifish hobby more interesting, more appealing, and more relevant to a new group of hobbyists. Long a topic of concern among the killikeeping establishment. It's a big win, if you ask me. And it can start with considering these pools and other ephemeral habitats which these fishes reside in. And I think that's fascinating that, that we can take this uh, habitat-first approach to keeping fish. Now, with these ephemeral pools, they're surprisingly productive. They have significant crustacean and insect life, a really remarkable abundance of life, if you ask me, which helps sustain the fishes, which, of course, you know, reside in these vernal pools for the period of time when the water is present. Most species like Nothobranchius, annual killifish from Africa, are what ecologists classify as general carnivores, feeding on a range of planktonic and benthic invertebrates and insects found in these habitats. Typical vernal pools in the tropical locales that we talked about 
are dry for at least part of the year and typically, but not always, filled with water during seasonal rain and flooding events. Now, some of these vernal pools may stay partially filled with water during a given year or longer, but all vernal pools dry up periodically. Sometimes these pools empty and fill several times during the wet season. The movement of water between vernal pools also occurs. Vernal pools are typically associated with plains or grasslands like the Pantanal in Brazil and or, you know, the savanna in Africa. And they're typically small bodies of water, often just a few meters wide. And in fact, the origin of the name vernal refers to the spring season. And this makes a lot of sense because most of these ephemeral habitats are at their maximum water depth during the spring. Now, after studying these vernal pools and other ephemeral aquatic environments for some time now, I can't help but be drawn to the idea that we've, you know, we've played with in our urban agapo tanks, utilizing soil and sediment mixes and playing with seasonal cycles of inundation and desiccation, which simulate to the most realistic extent possible the cycles of the vernal pools, the grasslands and the flooded forests of the tropical world. It's a really fascinating cycle, both from an ecological and biological perspective, and it's just fun to play with. And vernal pools and flooded forests are perhaps the ultimate expression of that close relationship between the terrestrial and aquatic habitats that we talk about so much here. Decomposition, accumulation of epiphytic growth, and colonization of various life forms is a continuous and impactful presence in these habitats. Every terrestrial botanical eventually breaks down completely when it's underwater, imparting you know organics and tannins and lignin and other compounds into the water. It could take a few weeks, it could take a month, or even years in the case of really hard ones. However, complete breakdown eventually occurs. When it occurs is dictated entirely by nature, of course. That to me is the, you know, the charm of what we do as aquarists who embrace this stuff. We celebrate the process. We celebrate the process because we understand how it positively impacts the environment of our aquariums and the fishes which reside in them, just like it does in nature. Those of us who look at nature as it is and choose to embrace it in our tanks instead of some sanitized, stylized representation find true beauty in this ephemeral characteristic that botanicals bring. Just like in the wild, the way terrestrial botanicals break down and devolve underwater is really fascinating. It's biologically useful and it's beautiful. Now, some hobbyists find the fact that we allow materials to break down in our tanks like they do in nature to be undisciplined or even messy. However, I've learned what many of you have over your fish keeping you know, careers. The, the so-called mess is or often leads to something beautiful, something permanent and utterly engrossing. So the term mess, as we might commonly use it, uh, should not be viewed as a negative. It's more of a transition, in my opinion. Mess actually is a vehicle to propel us into totally different aquascaping or experimental directions if we look at it in the hobby. It actually is the embodiment of Takashi Amano's uh, wabi-sabi philosophy, which sort of embraces the transience of nature and celebrates it. It appreciates and understands the beauty of those ephemeral aspects of nature. And I think that's remarkable, isn't it? I think that's something that we, we as aquarists need to really think about. It requires some study. It requires some appreciation. And yes, mental shifts. Uh, mental shifts which allow us to appreciate the processes in nature as much as we do in our tanks. Somehow I think that seeing these processes play out in the wild aquatic habitats gives us, I don't know, some permission to allow it to happen in our aquariums. We can take comfort in seeing that these habitats thrive despite what appears to be contrary to our hobby interpretation of how we think they're supposed to look and function. I always find that fascinating. And that's okay. It's part of the game. It's how nature teaches us. 
And what Dietrich teaches us, in my opinion, is every bit as valuable, if not more so, than the latest aquascaping contest winner whose, you know, diorama escapes all the rage on the gram or whatever. Nature plays by her own rules, developed over eons. And that's important. They're developed over eons. These are things that have worked consecutively for uncounted millions of years. And when we accept her rule, embrace her aesthetics, and make a mental shift to something that the rest of the world might call messy, we can truly appreciate its real beauty. There's so much to learn from this process. And the patience, the understanding, and the knowledge that we gain from observing nature, doing her thing in her tanks, is a priceless experience. Nothing lasts forever, but the enjoyment of the process lasts a lifetime. That's today's quick thought. I hope it kicks off some exciting, interesting things for you this weekend. Maybe you'll play with an aquarium, uh, do something a little different than you've done in the past. Get out of your comfort zone. Stay curious. Stay reflective. Stay thoughtful. Stay observant. Stay enthralled. And always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Fellman from Tannin Aquatics. Thanks for spending part of your day with me. I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tint.